Welcome to Lion Voice. We are your hosts, Sarah and Aaron Sanchez. We created this show designed to inspire, educate, and encourage you on your path to wellness. This show's purpose is to help you put the puzzle pieces of healing into place. Join us as we interview other warriors and discuss how fighting is a mindset, healing consists of choices, and living for Life Studios and Invita Medical. So glad to have each and every one of you with us today. If you're listening to this right now, good job. Because you see, healing consists of choices and you've made the choice to focus on something positive. Our focus here is to bring positive light to this horrible disease. You see, we are each made up of energy. Newton taught us that bodies with mass attract each other according to the universal law of gravitation. And Einstein taught us that mass and energy are equivalent. He used his famous formula, E equals MC squared. So by focusing on positive energy, it will promote you on your healing journey. I'm joined today with my lovely wife, Sarah Slickty Sanchez. Hello. Hi, sweetie. Hi. We haven't been on the mic together in a while. I know. I feel like you're a stranger here on the mic. <laughs> Probably everybody. In case you haven't been listening all the way back, Sarah and I are married. <laughs> almost 20 years, 19 and a half. And we still like each other. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good when you look around at marriages. But we're back on the mic. Yay. Yeah. I have not been home. I feel like I've been gone for the last like four months. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Um, I spoke about it last episode a little bit where you were. You were actually out in Vita Medical because you were exposed in May for the second time to uh, Lyme. First time being 15 plus years ago. Actually, it's 20 years ago now, huh? Yeah. 20 years ago where you, you were infected, misdiagnosed, went through a horrible time of 20 years, five kids, and we made it through. This time we got reinfected and it was a huge kick in the gut. It was really, really hard for us to swallow that pill, especially since we knew what we've already been through. Oh, yeah. It was very just, dis- yeah. May and June were awful. In like, um, I feel like I was just in this huge battle emotionally for my own emotional strength and physical strength and just had to put in a lot of time to not live in fear yeah i think the fear was almost as damaging as the actual symptoms because there was actual symptoms no yeah i started having what i would consider advanced neuropathy almost right right away and you described one moment of actually fighting off a seizure which you had on your first bout when it was really bad is you would start to have seizures yeah And that's, yeah, there was two nights that I felt like I was going to have a seizure. And, you know, just the reality of where we're at with this illness is you, you don't have access to adequate care. And that is just an incredibly harsh reality because I could not believe how vulnerable I was knowing what I know. And I've said this, knowing what we know. About Lyme, yeah. 
the fact that I still couldn't get more than 30 days of antibiotics, it just is ludicrous to me. Or, or even a Lyme literate doctor within 60 miles of us, which... Yeah, I traveled, we traveled once um, to the far side of Colorado to see an ER doctor that was familiar with Lyme. Then I traveled to New Mexico to see my old physician there while I was waiting. Right. And I'm on waiting lists here in Colorado for the sound clinic. And then um, was not getting help locally and just needed to go back out to Invita and reestablish myself as a patient because I had already spent I and mean, we're already a couple thousand dollars into this whole second bite and we've gotten nowhere. Yeah. It that was... was what was really frustrating is like, OK, right. I'm right back where I was in a sense years ago. Right. right. <laughs> and yeah. that's not acceptable. And thankfully this time. Because of our experience with Invita Medical, we knew the cost of attending, but it far outweighs, or, or not of, of attending, but of, of going to, to get your second round at Invita. But the cost of not getting it is so much worse. Yeah. For me, if I see them once a year, they can treat me over the phone. And yeah. so I have, uh, you know, I, I still don't know exactly what's going to unfold over the next couple of weeks. I'm still waiting for more test results. But the reality is, is I just wanted access to someone who actually knew what they were doing. And yeah. and we had to travel to Scottsdale, Arizona to do it. But we were so happy that there's at least, I mean, yeah, the care isn't as bountiful as we would like it. In fact, Arizona is one of the few states that actually lets Invita treat in some of the ways that they want to because of their specialized medical. They have the best holistic and alternative treatment laws in the country. Right. If you don't know that, that's why a lot of the really good clinics are in Arizona is because they have the right to actually practice holistic medicine differently. Yeah. And so we've seen really effective results come out of that, especially from your first time. They literally saved your life. And this second time, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, describe a little bit about what, what happened while you were there? Oh, well, tr you know, treatment in general, you never know how you're going to respond to, especially when you're having symptoms. So because I was there for testing and didn't know exactly what I had been, what I'm dealing with, um, we did a really light protocol of like glutathione pushes and some vitamin C and some different things to just boost my immune system. Um, and the longer, as I went throughout the week, I just started feeling worse and worse. I also like was staying with friends. I met with different people. Like my entire week was booked like from 6am till 10pm at night, five days in a row. I was just totally booked because I wanted to make the most of my time there. I know a lot of people, we have other business that we do in Scottsdale. And so there's a lot going on. And I really like that aspect of things. But my blood pressure was just getting higher and higher. And I was just thinking it was because I was tired. But um, I think you just overdid it. I overdid it. It was stinking hot as heck out there. It was yeah. like 106 degrees plus <laughs> July like and August and 40% <laughs> humidity. And um, we were filming in some stuff. In the valley of the sun. Outdoors. Oof. It was like one day I was outside for like two hours and forgot to eat. So yeah, I I did it. But I, you know, I know better too. I know that I know. We treatment knew, is hard yeah. on you. And I didn't bank off of my experiences. I was like, oh, I feel so good, which I do physically actually feel really good right yeah. now and and really like as you recover and i remember us dealing with this many many times as you recover you would try to make up and you end up doing too much and it puts you back a step yeah so you know it's two steps forwards and one step back but we're trying to out 
to learn this differently. We're trying, like one of our focuses that you and I have been talking, especially like last night, we sat and stayed up till what, midnight, just talking about new vocabulary, new ways to approach a situation. Because when you've been at a disease, as long as you have, as long as we have 20 plus years, and many of you have stories that equally or, you know, it doesn't matter if it's more than six months, that's... (laughs) It's highly traumatic. Yeah, you've learned more than you needed to. Right. Like it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. More. So anyway, re, refocusing on your words, looking at your words and seeing how these are effective. How are these damaging to me? How are these helping me? And we've had to learn a new vocabulary. And that I think is so important. And that also includes, which we're still learning, new actions like not going out to Invita and trying to and for treatment and trying to do a bunch of business stuff you know, like we've okay we failed a little bit at that but you know each step you have to refocus and relearn it's a continual learning process anybody that that has been through this is they're realizing just what a continual mm, learning yeah, process this is totally true and one thing i think that i said that really resonated with both of us is we no longer want to let this disease, which is designed for our destruction, we do not want to let this disease make any decisions for us because it's designed and purposed to destroy us. How did you say it this morning? You said... I don't know. I think we're not going to let this disease make any decisions for us. It's designed for our destruction. Its whole purpose is to destroy us. So for us to let it make a decision, you know it's going to be bad. So we're going to make proactive decisions. Often in the time, in, in the past, we've talked about making lose-lose decisions. Yeah. I think we've reshaped that attitude because it doesn't matter if it's a lose-lose. What matters is we're taking control away from the disease and making a forward movement yeah. without its consent. That you know We're going to take a proactive, an offensive move and not just defensive. In any sports analogy, you know... You cannot just play defense. You will not win a game just by playing defense. You have to play offense. And that's essentially what this whole trip was, what what we've been refocusing on ever since May when you got rebit. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's super hard lessons to learn throughout this whole journey, but that's God. It's yeah. the only way through it. <laughs> And we have so many good segments coming up. Oh, you guys. yeah. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm, it's. Yeah, I really hope you guys like this new format. We are digging it because we can, we've wanted to just shove everything we could into each episode, which doesn't work. But this way, we we're able to shove a little bit more in <laughs> and give you a supersized version of Lime Voice, right? Yeah. Before we move on, tell people how they can learn more about Invita Medical. You go to invita.com. Yeah, I, E-N-V-I-T-A. And I, as soon as I get my test results, I'm going to show them. I'm going to talk about it on air because they have a new test called Invita, E-N-V-I-T-A. And the oh, it's a accuracy of what it shows is unbelievable. It was blowing my mind seeing what they're doing compared yeah, to the what they were doing five le- years ago. The first thing you're going to learn about Lyme disease is there's no accurate testing. Well, Invita is changing that. Yeah, I know this so is many people who do not have a diagnosis. And this is something people don't fully understand. When I went out to Invita, I did not know that I had Lyme disease. I believed I did because I had recently found out what a bullseye rash was. But I only had a diagnosis of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. And so 
I talk to so many people who don't have a Lyme disease diagnosis and whatever you are dealing with, if you are disabled, if you cannot walk, if you are in excruciating pain, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And what they are able to do is identify that something. And then also they can help walk you out of it, which is a whole separate thing. Right. Even if your diagnosis is something other than Lyme, really chronic illness, the symptoms all need to be addressed. And whether it's lupus, MS, diabetes yeah yeah, the list goes on and on but cancer chronic illness can be treated through Invita, and so it's not just even if you go and you don't get diagnosed with lyme they're still going to have answers well and i know so many people who have um i know a number of people who have gone out there for testing after years and years of not having testing years of having these ambiguous diagnoses and had answers. And not all of them have gone through treatment there. And it, it is costly. We've talked about that. It's not covered by insurance. But there's actually some really exciting information on that. We do have some information. If you do not have a diagnosis, there is now um, like Good Samaritan. There is a program mm-hmm. where it's not in, it's not insurance. It's like a share program. But there is a company called Solidarity, and Solidarity is one of those shared programs. I think it's about 300-something a month, but they cover Invita. Yeah, which that's is huge, too. Huge. Because huge. unless you're really independently wealthy, you're not going to have the upfront costs. Everybody, everybody that we – well, not everybody. Most people that we talk to are struggling to figure out how to pay for that. Well, those are two options. Say them again. Yeah. Solidarity. It's called Solidarity Health Share. And the other one is. Well, Good Samaritan is another one, but they do not cover. So Solidarity, I know, is now covering Invita's cost. So there are conditions. Sometimes it, you know, you can't be pre-existing. There are different things that exist, but it's definitely worth looking into. I have already given that information out to a bunch of people who, um, yeah, don't and, have a diagnosis and maybe can get coverage for yeah, extensive care. Contact Invita too, because they'll help you with more of those de- details about that uh, insurance. Um, okay, let's. What's our next thing? Um, so we are now reaching. I think in January we said we are reaching like seventy three hundred people a month, and yeah. now we're reaching over ten thousand people a month. Wow, which isn't like a huge number in the podcast. <laughs> um social media realm but it's a big number for us oh totally we keep moving forward and it's you know we celebrate moving forward but at the same time we know that it's because there's so many people that need help and that's unfortunate but at least we're here and that's why we designed this show is we wanted we went through this whole thing by ourselves. we don't want you to do the same it's not necessary other people have been down this path of healing and we have ideas resources items um that can help you so you don't have to do the hard knocks tour because that doesn't work very good i mean it does eventually we made it through but there's got to be an easier way thus line voice and that's what it's all about yeah and for those of you who don't know i have not offered this because i hadn't had the time but things are shifting around with our kids back in school and stuff but so I do what's called next step coaching consultations, yes. and I have been doing this for five years, sometimes officially, sometimes unofficially, um, but I have a sponsor who has sponsored multiple spots for me each month, 
And so if you are interested in a short-term, a two-hour brainstorming session on what to go, what available resources you have, because what I've found is so over these last few years, I've done a lot of coaching with not specifically the clients who are sick, but the family members who are trying Mm -hmm. to support them. And, um, which is a very valid source to, for you to educate, because when you're in the midst of it, you're just holding on for dear life. You don't have between brain fog and pain. You don't have the cognitive ability to make those really hard decisions. I I mean, simple decisions can be so hard. So this coaching program could apply to the husband or significant other that you just want to get your spouse or person, your loved one to the next step. And I think it's perfectly named next step coaching. Because yeah, it's not a long-term coaching program. I do offer some of that in limited numbers, but I am super happy about this next step coaching because that to me is what people usually know what they need to do next. They just need to talk it through with someone. Right. And that's what we've been able to establish over these last few years. So on average, I talk to around 200 people a month yeah. in some capacity, whether it's email or Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just, I feel like that's given me a sense in this of just being able to see people's journey from a little bit different perspective. Like I've walked a lot of people through this process just of figuring out, okay, where do, what do we do next? And it's so hard. I get it. I talked to so many people who, some of whom I've been coaching over years. Right. And they'll say, and I get that, like sometimes you just have to take a pause and just be tired and recover. Yeah. It's hard work, but you can't stay there. And I mean, sometimes that's six months and sometimes that's a year, but if you are not better, if symptoms are still controlling your every waking minute, you have to keep moving forward. Right. And I mean, I'm, and coaching is such a great opportunity for, for some, a cheerleader, a coach to come alongside you and just give you the little bit of confidence you need to make the next step. And especially since you've already been down the path and you do talk to so many people, you've seen a lot of options. This people is a great opportunity. I'm so excited. How do they contact you? I have my preference if you want to set up an appointment. And so, again, that would be a two hour session where we just plan next steps, brainstorming. It can be just you. It can be you and a family member or a parent or a sibling. I mean, we we do all sorts of different things. But this is free to the consumer yeah this is totally free i have several sponsored events i have been working with a bunch of different companies to try to get uh like giveaways and freebies and samples and all sorts of stuff so this is the beginning of what i hope is going to be a continual funnel of (laughs) yeah fun stuff and freebies and giveaways um so how do people contact you my preference would be that you contact me on facebook if okay Mostly just because chronologically, I can keep track of things cognitively better on Facebook. And here's the deal, guys. But we, if they don't have Facebook, if can they, they don't have Facebook, you can send me an email at Sanchez Smile at Gmail. Okay. And then to get you on Facebook, they look up Sarah Schlichty. Sarah Schlichty Sanchez. Or Spells- look up Lime Voice. No, I'm not going to spell it. Okay. They'll find it. They'll find it. Look up Lime Voice. That's the easy way to contact. And while you're there, give us your like. <laughs> oh, oh uh, no, oh, I was going to wait. I was going to go say ahead. we get messages on so many different platforms. So 
We're working on communicating more consistently with our people or with our email list. We communicate a ton on Facebook, but not so much on email and Instagram. We're kind of working on some of those things. So if you sent, and we do get a lot of messages. So if you sent me a message and I have not responded, just send it to me again because <laughs> things do fall through the cracks, mostly because there's so many different platforms that it's sometimes hard to remember where yeah, I saw the it's message. It's not personal people. It's brain fog. It's brain fog, which my brain fog has been doing so much better since I've been drinking Kangen water. Oh, it's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If you if you didn't hear about Kangen water, go back to episode... Uh, couple episodes a couple back. episodes back we talk in detail about it there's a little segment on beauty and health in our last episode really interesting uh it's revolutionary it's revolutionary how do you say that revolutionizing revolutionizing our house yeah totally yeah. we love it yeah we'll get Look more into, into, that. into that later but mm-hmm. so yes okay. oh but while they're at facebook if you, you see the new format with different segments and different topics if there's a topic that you guys are wanting to know more about, whether it be, I don't know what it might be, whatever, R- find us on Facebook, simply write us a message. We want to hear about yeah, lime and sex, lime and cheese, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we'll listen. Um, yeah, what were you going to say? And then I'll tell the good people about what we're about to listen to today um i don't know the whole lime and cheese thing threw me off a little. <laughs> <Lime> and cheese. <laughs> all right um we there was something else but... okay today on lime voice we no, wait we still have two more announcements what one i'm gonna read a cuss a, a cuss word customer or client interaction (laughs) and then talk about where we're going to be two weeks from now do it okay so september 22nd 23rd 21st 22nd and 23rd aaron and i are going to be at the live lime summit in westminster colorado we'll be signing autographs before and after each session (laughs) (laughs) We're super excited. We have where I'm not speaking at this event. We have a booth, which I'm actually really excited about because it's hard to speak and have a booth at events for me. Um, my brain wears out. That's why you got me. True. Yeah. And we're doing it together. We're really excited about being there and getting to know the, the new network of people. And there's a ton of great speakers. And every time we go to a conference, we get lots of guests. Isn't there going to be an Invita represent that's going to come fly mm-hmm. out, especially for the conference? So if you want to know more about Invita and you're in the Colorado, Denver area, you can come to this and actually speak to someone from Invita about it. Yeah, that's true. About treatment, about the options, etc. So great. And and not to mention all the great authors and speakers that are going to be speaking yeah, at Dr. this Yeah, Dr. Horowitz thing. is going to be there. Yes, um, the famous Dr. Horowitz. Yeah, there's a lot of really good speakers there's yeah not just him there's look it up people it's worth it every time we've gone to one of these it's been a chore it's not been easy you got to find childcare, etc but it's worth it what's the other announcement oh the other announcement is i'm gonna read oh we are going to be recording a bunch more testimonials 
And I have started getting these messages where, especially from coaching clients, where they're say, hey, I want to share this win with you, blah, blah, blah. If you have a win or a milestone that you want to share, because I remember walking to the end of the driveway and that being a huge yes. success. Yes. I remember walking to the mailbox and that being a huge success. Yeah. I remember doing four things in a day and that being a huge success. And There's so, so much negativity. We have to celebrate those small wins. It's so important. Oh, if yeah. You, because like I was saying earlier, energy cr- attracts other energy. So if you're constantly focused on the negative, guess what happens? The negative comes. But if you're focused on the positive, I made it to the end of the driveway. What's the next victory? Right. That is a fighting mindset that leads to healing choices. The healing choices being able to say, what is the next step? And then living is the outcome. When you can say, I not only walked to the end of the street, because that's where you were, but now we're doing one hour, three mile hikes, uphill, up <laughs> yeah, uphill one way, of course, but uphill in at 9,000 feet. Yeah, that's... That's where you're at now. Yeah. And now, and, and, and even with the second bout and et cetera, because living is the outcome of those choices that we've made. Yeah. Well, that brings me to um, Carrie from Texas. She submitted a question that I thought was really a good question. Let's so I want to read it. it. She says, uh, you have no idea how much we love the podcast. My husband and I have cried together as we listen because we have felt so alone. Wow. You talk about fighting all the time, but we have also learned to let so much go and accept where things are at. How do you fight and let go at the same time? Hmm. Which I just thought was really good because well, what's it's, our it's answer? a balance. It's a balance. <laughs> well, the thing that I was thinking of is, I mean, one of the things I would come back to so many times when I didn't know what to do, I would just say, like, do the next right one thing. Right. And sometimes that meant doing the dishes. Yeah. Purely just because they need to be done every day. <laughs> that wasn't maybe like, you know, it's so hard to choose how to use your energy when you don't have any of it. Right. And so that was one thing that I would stick with. But I, but isn't it one choice at a time? I think it is. And I think it's about your perspective relating to that choice. Because like for we talk about enemas all the time. That's a great example. You can look at doing a coffee enema as I'm I mean, I consciously every time I did an enema I would be like, I'm fighting against this disease right. in doing this action. I am rebelling against everything this disease has thrown at me. I'm fighting at the same yeah, time. We're making the choices, not the disease. Right. At the same time, sometimes doing an enema has been an act of letting go in and of itself because, again, <laughs> <laughs> yes, doing an enema helps you let go. I totally didn't see that coming. <laughs> Good pun, sweetie. I like it. <laughs> well, sometimes it's it's the sense of saying like, yes, I can't fix anything, but I'm just going to lay down for 45 minutes and detox because I know that's what's best for my body right here and now. Yeah. And so I think the same act can be either fighting and or letting go based on how you perceive it. Yeah. I, and, and I know in years past, we've talked about the fact that when you're fighting for your life, your brain is literally turned on to fight or flight. So you, and, and we've heard this, and I remember this example with you, you waking up in the middle of the night in a total panic, like you're ready to run for your life. 
it wasn't that anything was happening, but your body was. Things were happening on the inside. Yes. And so that's, and your body was, your brain would literally have been turned on to that. So for the patient who is dealing, actively dealing with the fight or flight mode where they're so panicked that they're ready to, they're, you know, they're a, a, a hurt animal in the corner. Yeah. And they're just ready to explode at, at the small. Anyway, how to get how do you get through that? Right. And still move on. And I think the simple answer, even though it's a complex, complex answer, is one step at a time. You eat an elephant. Yeah. Not all at once. One bite at a time. One bite enables you to do the next. And it, you, it's just a building process. So it's letting go at the same time as building is well, and another thing that I try to do is I realize, like, I need goals. I used to think I wasn't very um, organized with my time because I don't have, like, every day laid out. That's actually not true at all. I lay out by weeks because yeah. I learned long ago that I have to have a lot of flexibility for days that, okay, by the way, I didn't sleep at all and I have to go try to lay down or whatever is happening. So I plan out the week and like um, Monday through Friday, I want to exercise and Monday through Friday, I want to eat um, the food that I need to eat. And I have all these things. And so part of that is fighting. Like these are important things. And I think one of the disastrous thing that Lyme does or chronic illness does is it takes away your ability to have healthy habits. That was something for me, I felt like just decimated our lives on so many levels is if you can't get to the basics, how do you ever get to anything beyond the basics? But I had to look at my time as saying, I'm fighting by trying to exercise five days a week. I'm trying by doing these things. But the reality is, is I usually can't get to all of them. Mm -hmm. So if I hit 80% for my week, I'm happy with that. 80% of the time I exercised on the day, you know, five days, 80% of the time I ate the right food, 80% of the time I swallowed my supplements, 80% of the time I detoxed. Like that to me is fighting because I'm setting a high expectation for what I want to get done every day and every week. But there's a lot of letting go in realizing that I'm not going to get them all. Moving forward without looking back. Oh, I like that. Right? That's how you let go is you can't look back. I mean, I've told you that so many times. Well, we've both taught, we've both said this to each other. We we just can't look back at the, we can't defend ourselves for the past. Yeah. You can't change anything. You can only move forward. So finding that new vocabulary, addressing these things, how do you move forward without you know, you just have to forget, you, you know, let your brain fog work on the failures. Like, <laughs> let the brain fog have its failures and you just focus on the good things. Well, people, I think you're going to enjoy these episodes. Today online, boys, we have Sarah and Steven Groters discussing building emotional strength and the difficulties that are there and how important it is to the body to have a mature emotional strength. How key, as we close out this segment, how key is emotional strength on this journey? You know, you have treatment plans or treatment centers and finding a doctor and you have your nutritional life and you have your protocols and your detoxing. Emotional strength just seems to me to be uh, in a sense maybe the glue that holds everything together yeah 
I I think this is the aspect of healing that's been the hardest, the most elusive, the slowest to evolve, the slowest to come, the longest lingering. The implications of mold and Lyme with Leandra Peters. How important is mold in your recovery and how to test for it? There was three specific people who did not show significant improvements and all of them ended up finding out they had mold. Yeah, absolutely. If you do have Lyme disease and you are in mold, it's almost impossible to fully heal. In my opinion, um, I believe that, or based on what I've learned, that you have to treat the mold first before you can even treat the Lyme. Or if you treat the Lyme, you're kind of just, you know, maybe taking baby steps at getting better, but never fully recovering. So if you are someone out there that does have Lyme disease and you haven't been able to fully Jennifer Heath on how to find a doctor that will actually treat you. So important. What are some questions that you ask when you go in? If your doctor says there's no such thing as chronic Lyme or there's no such thing as Lyme here or Lyme couldn't debilitate you like this, what do you do? Do you just walk out the door? Do you, what did you do? I hand them my book, of course. (laughs) Say, here, read. Unfortunately, um, to everybody that is sick with this disease, they are laughed at. And they are told that Lyme disease is not real. Chronic Lyme disease does not exist. Um, What you are suffering is not Lyme disease. And a new segment we call Success Stories. Because we have to look at the positive. And here's a success story with Jim Lamon. Oh, yeah. Such a great story. Yeah, I love his attitude. He didn't fight as long as some of us have, but he still had the same fight, and he still had to make the same choices. That's okay. Yeah. How do you think this is impacting, is going to impact the rest of your life? It, It has changed my life. It's made my life better. It's been a hard road. It's not over. There's lots more work to do yet. I'm only partially through. I want to get to remission. I'm not I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm getting close. I'm getting close to going into another layer. This is what's so interesting about Jim's interview. So I've been talking now for several years to a lot of people every month. And I do have done a lot of coaching consultations with people and people who are over the age of 60. When I tell them what I did to get better and all the detox and Jim addresses this, they do not want to do it. Like I, my success rate in converting people over the age of 60 is super low. <laughs> Not that we're having ageism here or anything. No, but they say, but you I don't want to invest that amount of what time I have left. Yeah, I don't want choices. to invest it's the money I have left. I'd rather leave it to my kids or whatever. So like, I love Jim's attitude because I have talked to a hundred gyms before and most of them say thanks, but no thanks. And Jim has like taken it and run. Awesome. And he's doing so much better. That's the thing. Healing really does consist of choices. You don't always know what they're going to be, but you keep plugging away at them. The sky's the limit. All right, folks. Enjoy this episode of Lime Voice Season 3, Episode 2. In this first segment, we take a look at the emotional strength it takes in order to heal from chronic illness. Sarah and Stephen Groters discuss building emotional strength, the difficulties that are there, and how important it is to the healing process. 
for this segment is Steven Groder, and we had the pleasure of meeting Steven and his wife Heather at the very beginning of our Lime Voice podcast. And so thank you, Steven, for being here with us today. Thanks, Sarah and Lime Voice. So, Steven, you and I have talked about this in depth on a lot of occasions. I circle back around to shame on a regular basis, not just shame, but the complexities of shame. And it's something that everyone who has a chronic illness struggles with, or maybe not everyone, most people who have a chronic illness struggle with. I've watched enough documentaries and read enough books about other people's journeys with chronic illness to just know that this is this is a huge aspect, not only to um, getting adequate treatment, but then recovering and moving beyond it. And it's something that I've really struggled with. And so I want to talk about two things, the acknowledgement of shame, why, why we're wrestling with it, and then how you get out of it, how you walk out of those set moments of immense shame. Sure. So I had asked you, I said, have you dealt with shame? And your answer was yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, pl- plenty of shame. I think whether if you're a parent, in my case, I'm a parent and a spouse, there's a lot of shame behind not being able to deliver your side of the bargain or your side of the agreement or your side of love in ways that you think are most appropriate. I can't work anymore, but I'm supposed to work to provide um, my fair share of our family, or I'm supposed to be a loving parent, but I can't play catch right now, or I don't have um, the physical stamina to, to keep up with what you have going on in your life or I need to close the door right now because there's just too much noise. It's too chaotic. And Mm -hmm. I think all of those, when somebody has a heart to be the biggest, bestest person they can be and illness causes them to have to compromise on those visions, there's shame. Failing to meet my own expectations or my beliefs around what I should be doing because of illness or pain or symptoms, that delta, that gap, that's where shame is born. That's where it thrives. Which is so hard, though, because I remember thinking for years, if only I was one of those people who enjoyed watching television all the time, or if only I didn't care, or if only I didn't want more, or like, in a sense, I tried to talk myself into being okay with being in bed over and over again. Yeah. And I think in part because of that shame of not meeting my own expectations but here's what confuses me is there is that gap but like you you and I are similar in the sense that we've both done everything we've known to do day in and day out at an immense financial cost at an immense requiring an immense amount of discipline when I look backwards I'm like I have nothing to be ashamed about I know that logically but emotionally I don't yeah I think Um, Some of the shame that I have personally gone through comes from, let me describe it in words, why is it that I'm deserving of the vast amount of resources that frankly could support an entire village? Why why is it that I Mm. should take the resources of a village and why don't we give those resources to an actual village and have those many, many people thrive instead of me. And so I think some of the shame is born from how much am I worth? 
on the one hand, it's very important to say, well, I'm worth everything. I'm worth, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I have such great value that Christ would die for me. And then on the other hand, but there, there is a real village that could use a million dollars and I'm spending a million dollars on just myself. Hmm. So these are aspects of life that we can't really describe because you have to surrender that to the unseen, to, to God. You have to surrender <laughs> you have to surrender that because who am I to say I am or am not worth a certain level of resources? I, I think you, coming back to an affirmation I use, I take what is mine. I need to take what is mine. I need to not take what is not mine, even if it's a million dollars even if it's the resources of a small village, even if it's something big or small, if it's mine, uh, then I then I need to take it, good and bad, right? We, mm. we take the disease of Lyme, Lyme and we didn't necessarily take it by choice. Don't want it, don't like it, it hurts. But for this moment in time, it's it's with me, it's, it's mine, I, I take it. And so it is with some of these other good things like resources. If they're mine to take, then I also need to have the courage to take those. Yeah, that brings up a whole another aspect that I hadn't thought about in a while of just consuming vast amounts of resources. That's a hard one. It's That's really the hardest hard one for me. You, like, I've never thought of a third world village being able to be supported by what we spent on Lyme, but that could. Like, we could have built a heck of a lot of schools and <laughs> a lot of stuff, but... For me, the hurt comes like for me, the shame comes when I see my kids having lack in in their life on some level. I believe that had I never had Lyme and been completely disabled for eight years and all these things, we would have never been in this position financially. Like that's yeah. my, in a sense, like big, huge, overwhelming hurt because your finances affect so many aspects of your life. So I think there's there's a subtlety here that would be worth it to explore a little bit. And that is the real true hurt. And then how is that the same overlapped or different from shame? And I guess having a hurt and acknowledging a hurt is not the same thing as shame. Shame is maybe taking the accountability for it when it, right. the accountability is not yours. Mm. You didn't create this circumstance. You didn't choose to have this happen, but shame is a record in my mind that I did choose it. This is my fault because I created this situation or I created this to happen. Well, and it makes sense, too, because of all the different stories I've read of, of people coming out of things, whether it's coming out of a prison camp, whether it's coming out of an abusive relationship, whether it's coming out of anything traumatic, you're right, there's the initial hurt. And then there's the shame that comes after the hurt or before the hurt for whatever reason. And I've heard people talk about this, even victims of, of abuse, that they, they carry the shame of that. But I, I don't understand why. Like, is that just yeah. a lie we all believe? Um, you know, obviously, like you said, there's gaps in your parenting. You don't get to live up to your own expectations and your finances get used in ways that you d wouldn't want them to be used. 
But is is shame in general when we've given our best and done everything we know to do, is that just something that we have to consciously let go of? And is that possible? Because is that just, like you said, a record that you're playing in your head? Okay, well, is it as simple, in a sense, as changing the record? Mm, Yeah, yeah, really intense connotations. I, I think that this is the overlap between the various aspects of who we are, the various emotions of who we are, all of those things overlap. And in some ways, shame is a driving pressure for us to help other people. And when we do help other people, it really dissolves the shame we might feel. I just, you know, when we give back. So in a way, some of the negative emotions that we experience as humans are driving forces. When I'm mad, it's a driving force to make a change or to stick up for myself or whatever. When we're guilty, it's a driving force for us to not do that thing again. When we're shameful, it might be a driving or feel shame. It might be a driving force, another type of driving force for us to really activate ourselves and to help other people. And when we do that, it dissolves and dissipates that shame. Hmm. I wouldn't have. I, I mean, Lime Voice in general has been very, very healing for me. But that's interesting. I feel like one of the things that I've learned even in this last year is it's very easy for me to go spiral downwards emotionally, especially if I if I look at <laughs> what it costs us um, on any level, it, it just emotionally can be crippling for me. So I've had to make and Aaron actually helped me to kind of identify this and come up with a game plan. When I start to downward spiral into the what ifs or the I should haves, all those things that can come to play um, when you're juggling l- really serious issues and for multiple people in a household. He told me and he helped me identify like you can't look backwards anymore. And for me, if I'm downward spiraling, I'm looking backwards. And so that statement for me has actually freed me, I feel like, from some of playing those records of negativity or records of what if or records of if only it had been different or all those different things. But it's um, I feel like once we kind of identified it and then I had to start just saying, okay, I'm not going to go backwards. It's actually healed an aspect of Aaron and Mai's relationship. Because when I look backwards, I tend to blame him. Not specifically him. I blame us. And he's the only other side of it. (laughs) Sure. Right? (laughs) Sure. He's included. Right. I'm not blaming him. I'm... I'm blaming us because we're the ones solely responsible for keeping five five other people alive and clothed in all those things. And but for me, it doesn't move me forward. And so that's what I had to recognize is, you know what? I've grieved this and and this is a sad part of my life, but I'm not giving any emotional energy to this aspect of my life anymore. It's been really helpful. I'm not always there, but I can. With that little tidbit of information, I can kind of snap myself out of it in a maybe a four hour period instead of a four day period. <laughs> yeah, I know um, guilt and shame can be such a powerful emotion and so energy draining that, um, you know, I've heard this, I've read this, and I find it to be helpful and true that when we name things out loud, it can diminish its power over us. 
And so when I'm talking and I find myself parenting in a way that's really guilting and shaming, I pull out a sock puppet, one that says guilt, one that says shame. And I just start saying guilt and shame and guilt and shame. And it brings some humor, some levity. And it also just brings some light. to Okay, this is not helpful. This is not the right way to go. And um, sometimes just naming these things um, can be helpful. Yeah, I love that. Because it is very easy. We see it. We see it in our household. And um, if someone comes home feeling like if Aaron comes home because he's worried about things at work or providing or all these aspects that we were juggling for a lot of years and being in crisis, he comes home carrying that shame and he hands it to me. And then I wrap myself in it and then I pass it on to the kids. Yeah. Unknowingly, but I mean, those are some of the behaviors we have had to undo in the last few years because we were operating in shame and crisis and lack for so many years that it became this, it became the new normal. Yeah. And guilt, guilt's a huge part of that. So, okay, I love the sock puppet and then naming it. So name, I am experiencing guilt. Is that what you're saying? Like, oh, for instance, here's an example. Maybe this is. I was downward spiraling yesterday and Aaron pulled me out of it. And again, it was about four hours of just like, oh my gosh, pan. And I had to come to him and he said, I said, what I was battling was fear. And, yeah. and that's what it was. And I told, and one of the things that we say all the time, I didn't recognize it as fear in that moment. I was, but I was definitely blaming us for a couple of things that still are loose ends in our life. And I started emotionally going downwards. And as soon as I said that, like I acknowledge, oh, wait, this is fear. We have a statement where we say fear is to say what if. Faith is to say even if. And so yesterday I had to say, okay, I'm fearful of these things, these unknown endings, but I'm not going to say what if, I'm going to say even if or even when this thing is happening, this is still who I am. This is blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I like that. What if and even if. Well, one is a statement of faith and one is a statement of fear. Fear says what if, faith says even if. Okay, even if we whatever. But it is, it's those, it's subtle mind shifting it feels like to me it's subtly shifting your mind to take something negative and shape it to where it actually benefits you. And I'm just hard. I'm just reminded that the most powerful untruths, the most powerful lies are the ones that are mostly true. Mm. And so when we think about shame in that lens, they are things, you know, things that we're feeling shame about it's mostly true i am consuming the resources of a small village but then when we add one slight untruth to it like and i don't deserve it ah yes all all of a sudden we have the shame to it and and it becomes very difficult for us to to carry that burden and that load and it yeah, and, and it's so powerful. And so when you look back, you really do have this issue where you had financial stability and career and um, things like that. That really is true. And that whole story is mostly true. But mm. somewhere in there, there's a there's a small part 
that isn't true. And calling that out becomes important in our healing. How key, as we close out this segment, how key is emotional strength on this journey? Like, you know, you have treatment plans or treatment centers and finding a doctor and you have your nutritional life and you have your protocols and your detoxing. Emotional strength just seems to me to be, uh, in a sense, maybe the glue that holds everything together. Yeah, I I think this is the aspect of healing that's been the hardest, the most elusive, the slowest to evolve, the slowest to come, the longest lingering. It's all of those things. I have heard it said, and I agree, that we can't even address emotional healing until we address enough of the biological healing that somebody can even be strong enough to address the emotional healing. And I subscribe to that. And in another way of saying it, the emotional healing is so much harder that you can't even go there until you give your body enough energy to be able to handle it in the first place. Yeah. So I do think it's key. It's, it's the key that has been the most elusive for me, the most challenging and in part because it is so unique it's unique to the systems that we have. You mentioned G5T training and the blueprints we have in previous episodes. We all have blueprints that are somewhat like our fingerprints. They're totally. unique. And so to untie all of that and really come to emotional healing takes a, a fingerprint of healing that is just as unique as who we are. And mm. Um, in some regards, that's a very lonely journey because we know more about ourselves than the people around us sometimes. Um, so it becomes a, a journey that we have to embark on a lot on our own with the help of other people. But we have to have that courage on our own. No, I agree. I think there's a lot of aloneness on this aspect of the journey. So what is something that you do on a regular basis to build those emotional strength muscles? You mentioned in another segment that riding your bike was this huge thing for you and how that had been taken away and you took your power back, said, you know what? I don't feel any worse if I do it, so I'm just going to do it. (laughs) I'm just going to ride my bike. Is that something that helps build emotional strength for you? I, you know, I'm going to take a, a slightly different turn and okay. share that one thing that really tends to help. So again, coming back to this affirmation of I take what is mine and implied is that I don't take what is not mine. That's my goal, right? Um, if I sit down in prayer and contemplation or just meditation and just say, okay, actively in my life right now, what am I doing that is not mine? What, what am I not doing that I should be doing? Is there, maybe in the form of a question, is there something going on that should not be going on for me? And every once in a while, I'll hear, no, you're right. You're right in alignment with yourself, you know. Hmm. But that's only every once in a while. More often than anything else, it's, yeah, a sensation that, yeah, you're doing this or you're pushing way too hard. You're paddling upstream here. I want you to not paddle upstream and just go with the flow. Or I want you to get out of the flow here, (laughs) go over to the (laughs) bank and just climb out of this river altogether. This is the wrong path. Um, 
So just kind of sitting down and it doesn't take me long anymore, less than 10 minutes and just kind of saying, what is out of alignment here? Mm. And there's a a certain amount of um, validation that that comes with, oh, okay, so here's two or three things that I'm out of alignment on. And when I bring those into alignment, then I shouldn't feel guilty or shameful anymore because I've thought about it and this is the best I can do. And these two things over here need to go away and these three things over here need to get added on. And now I have confidence that I'm doing the right things. Hmm. It's funny, you and I process things differently, but I feel like we kind of circle back around to the same core concepts, even though we go about it differently. I feel like I'm always so aligned with what what you've learned on your journey, but it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. And the way you perceive things is, you know, it's just different than the way I perceive it. But I don't know, at its core, we kind of come back and circle around to the same realizations. I don't know, it's hard to describe. Yeah. Do you have any book recommendations? I, you know, I've read a lot of books and, uh, you know, 150 plus books on just the topic of Lyme disease, immune system, healing, health, food, you know, all this stuff, 150 books. And at first I was extraordinarily eager to share what I was learning with everyone else. And so the reason I say that preface is just to maybe just be more sensitive and cautious to other people and where they're at. And that said, um, there is a book on emotional healing that is, it's not based on religion, and so, therefore, is more widely applicable to the audience. But it's a book by David Hawkins called Letting Go. And I think in the book, it does a great job of presenting a lot of thought experiments that can help people navigate really what belongs to them, and what does not belong to them, and how they can journey through healing on the emotional side of things. Mm, awesome. Cool. I'll have to add that to my Amazon card. <laughs> I haven't yes. read that one. <laughs> Stephen, thank you so much for being here with us again and just sharing bits and pieces of your journey. Thanks, Line Boys. Thanks, Sarah. We are celebrating season three of Line Boys. And I wanted to say a special thank you to you listeners. Did you know that Lime Voice is on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play? We would love it if you could go to whatever platform you choose and do two things. First, subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Because you do not want to miss what we're given. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Second, write us a five-star review and tell us what you think. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, under Lime Voice, and Facebook, same thing, Lime Voice. We would love to hear from you, and while you're there, give us a like.
Wow, wasn't that great? I love talking to Steven Groders. He is such a huge asset to the Lime Voice. In this next segment, we're going to talk to Leandra Peters about mold. Now, mold is a huge, huge issue. It can literally break you. If, if you're in the wrong environment, mold can be just as damaging as any spirochete out there. In fact, in this episode, we're going to talk to Leandra about how she tested her home, how you can test your home. We're going to talk to her about her, her healing choice of moving out of that moldy environment and what it took. Also, she is going to discuss how to detox from mold and some pretty helpful tips on how to do that. So join us now as Sarah interviews Leandra Peters. With me today is Leandra Peters, advocate blogger for Lyme and Mold. Leandra, thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course. It's nice to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to to talking to you today because I've already enjoyed so much of what I've learned from you just in this (laughs) (laughs) pre-interview. I get to, it's the funnest job ever. I get to talk to people, all these interesting people who have overcome so many amazing things. And it's like, wow. (laughs) It is, yes. (laughs) That's really fun. Okay, so Leandra, let's start off with talking about mold and your experience with mold and all the ins and outs that need to come, including testing and blood testing, and let's just talk all things mold. Okay. Yeah, so I guess for starters, um, I lived in mold for about a year and a half without knowing, and I did start getting symptoms of shortness of breath. Um, I was dizzy. I had vertigo. I had trouble walking in a straight line uh, on random days. I would say the air hunger was probably one of the biggest uh, symptoms that I had. And I went to a lot of doctor's appointments, even a couple ER visits. Everyone said that everything's normal. Uh, Then I got sent to pulmonary specialists, rheumatologists, um, went to some urgent care visits and was still told the same thing. Someone told me that They uh, smelled in my apartment at the time that it was a little bit moldy. Uh, At the time, I couldn't smell very well, so I decided to get a mold test done. My apartment came back with seven strains of toxic black mold, so I moved back to my parents' home that evening. (laughs) So what test did you do? So initially, yeah, so initially I did just the basic tests that you do at an MD's office, like a CDC differential, which is just kind of like the regular blood test that tests everything generally. Um, And then I went to do like CAT scans of my lungs. I did an MRI of my brain. Um, I also had a CAT scan of my brain as well at one of the ER visits and everything was coming back normal as even my pulmonary tests, like breathing into tubes and having them see like your lung capacity, everything seemed normal. And then, um, I got really sick about four months after leaving mold. And I found out that the reason why I got more sick afterwards was because I carried the HLA gene for mold susceptibility um, as well as the multi-susceptibility gene, which is both mold and Lyme. 
I went to a doctor that specifically specializes in mold and Lyme patients, and he ran all the mold markers of basically inflammatory markers that come from mold. Some of them are like MSH or TGF-beta-1, C4A, MMP9. There's a lot of them, but I do list them all out of the necessary blood tests to find out if you have a mold illness um, on my blog. Perfect. Yeah. Um, You can also do visual contrast sensitivity tests. Those are free. If you just type in VCS test into Google, you can actually test your eyes and it'll tell you if you might have a biotoxin illness, which is either mold or Lyme, um, based on how you score out because it affects the contrast sensitivity of your eyes. So it's uh, a free test that people can do online. And it's actually accurate? Yeah, it is actually, it's, I believe, 92% accurate. So that's the first test that a mold or Lyme doctor will actually have most people do. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good way of testing progress as well. So like your test should be improving as you're healing. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not aware of that. Yeah, you should try it. (laughs) Yeah, I will for sure. Yes. It's just, I think, vcstest.com. There are some that charge you like 10 or $15, but that one is free to do it once. And then if you have a separate email, you can do it again. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Free resource. Yes. <laughs> Everyone loves free resources. Yeah, for sure. So this is your initial, initially getting diagnosed. Yes, this was, yeah, initial diagnosis. Um That took about two months to diagnose because I wasn't sure, or actually longer, because I was having these symptoms in July of last year, 2017, and I wasn't diagnosed until February of this year, 2018. Um, But I didn't seek out a mold doctor or a Lyme doctor. They weren't on my radar until later on. Um, At first, I thought I was having autoimmune issues or doctors thinking that maybe I just had general anxiety or depression. So it was hard to find out that it was possibly mold, but it wasn't until I searched online and figured out that, you know, maybe it was from the mold and I went to a doctor and that's definitely what it was. Well, and mold plays such a big part in recovery. You and I were talking before the interview started and of the people I know who have gone out to the recovery center that I went to in Vita Medical out in Scottsdale, the people who have struggled to recover or didn't like were still in pain were in mold environments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as soon as they remediated, they actually all drastically improved and pain levels went down. But though it, there was three specific people who did not show significant improvements and all of them ended up finding out they had mold. Yeah, absolutely. If you do have Lyme disease and you are in mold, it's almost impossible to fully heal. In my opinion, um, I believe that or based on what I've learned, that you have to treat the mold first before you can even treat the Lyme. Or if you treat the Lyme, you're kind of just, you know, maybe taking baby steps at getting better, but never fully recovering. So if you are someone out there that does have Lyme disease, and you haven't been able to fully recover, then I highly recommend checking for mold in your home, checking for mold in your car, um, and checking for exposure in your workplace too. And what are those tests like to test your home and to test your car? There's an ERMI test. It's E-R-M-I and it's done at mycometrics.com. And you actually order the test online. Basically they will send you in the mail a 
a Ziploc bag with a Swiffer sheet. And you can use your own Swiffer sheet in plastic bag as well. But they'll send them to you in the mail. And then it's a dust collection. So you'll just swipe areas in your home that haven't been cleaned as frequently. So like maybe around your windowsills or maybe... Um, like your baseboards, like a lot of people don't like to clean those. Um, but yeah, you'll swipe up some dusty areas and then you'll put the Swiffer sheet back in the plastic bag and you'll mail it back to Micometrics and they will actually come back with results in about three or five days and they'll let you know, um, which molds are in your home and they'll give you a score. Um, their scoring is based on a scale of negative 10 to 20 and you want to be below two. So if you have a score above two, it does mean that you probably have some sort of a mold problem going on. Okay. If it's close to two, maybe you just need air purifiers. If it's really high, like there's a lot of people that are um, seven to 20. And I mean, those people definitely probably have some sort of water issue. Um, but yeah, it'll test all 36 types of mold. And you'll be able to see which ones they are and what levels they all are. So it's probably the only mold test that actually tests all 36, both toxic and non-toxic molds. And what does that ERMI test cost? So it's $50 for the materials, which is the Ziploc bag and the Swiffer. So I highly recommend just buying those on Amazon and then doing the test yourself and then asking them where to send it to. Mm. So you can save $50 by just getting your own uh, sheet and your own, your own Swiffer sheet and your own Ziploc bag. And then the actual testing for them to run it is 240. So okay. it's not cheap by any means, but if you're looking at doing like an air test or a tape test or a swab test with a local, uh, mold remediation company or a mold testing company, it's probably going to be more expensive than that. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you find out you are dealing with mold, you leave, you yes. show up on mom and dad's door. <laughs> yes, Smart pretty girl. much. Smart girl yes. that you are. <laughs> as much as I didn't want to, I did. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I have had several calls in the last few weeks about people who are just stuck in and mostly living in pretty extreme poverty, stuck in apartments with mold or houses with mold. It's so hard to know what to tell them. Because I, I agree, we said this, you know, is it possible to heal in a moldy environment? It doesn't yeah. seem like it is. No, I don't see how it could be. I, I noticed that as I healed from mold, I healed from Lyme without even trying to treat the Lyme. Um, wow. It's just like they healed together. Yeah, I can't imagine if I just tried to heal Lyme, but I still lived in mold. I don't think I would be where I am today. Huh. Yeah, but it is hard to get out. Um, there's definitely people that don't have the income or the flexibility or a family member or friend to stay with. And had I have not had that, I'm not sure if I mean, I probably would have been more sick because I would have had more time spent in mold. And I was lucky enough to be able to get myself a new place um, that was a lead platinum certified building so that I made sure that I was living somewhere completely toxic free. Mm. So that's another thing that people can look for too. If you're looking for like a new place to rent or a new home that um, the LEED certifications, um, I think they go from bronze to platinum, but I do live in a platinum certified. Yes, it is more expensive, but it's not more expensive in the long run because you're not putting your health at risk. <laughs> we, <laughs> so. we say that about so many protocols, you yeah. know, or treatments, you know, or clinics or whatever it is. It's like, oh, you know, that's, 
X thousands of dollars, but it really, it does save, even for us, when I went to Invita, even though we had to pay for it all out of pocket because I did not have any insurance and most of it wouldn't have been covered anyways, we literally did save money because I was going into the ER on a weekly basis. I was seeing mm-hmm. specialists. I was on huge amounts of medications. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really did save money and both my mom and my husband went back to work. Oh, wow. My mom was taking care of – we were at the point – I mean, Aaron worked the whole time, but he was kind of working and taking care of kids and running me to the ER, and it was just crazy. They both got to go back to work because I could take care of myself. That was huge. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Even my mother took time off of work. She's a flight attendant, and she took two months off in the beginning because, I mean, at that point, I wasn't even walking or seeing straight, so – I needed her to be with me. But I mean, those two months away from her, I mean, that's a huge amount that was taken out of, you know, her life. And then to be able to get myself back to work quicker. um, Yeah, definitely a savings. Of course, it's expensive at at first to go to somewhere like Invita or to think of all the, the expenses of cleaning your home and cleaning, you know, your health products, your makeup products, your home cleaning uh, everything like that, and making it all non-toxic, it's expensive up front. But if you do it up front, you're going to pay less in the long run, I think. Oh, I absolutely think that's the case on, on for so many aspects of this illness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Preventative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely preventative. So after you have mold, what are the sup when you know you have mold and then you even have the mold, the MLA mold gene, which mm-hmm. impacts your ability to detox? Yes. Or, okay. So, so what yeah. do you take? How do you get past that hurdle? How do you overcome that? So basically, um, I found after reading almost every single book came down to the conclusion of two things. And one was to lower inflammation. And the second thing was to strengthen your immune system. And basically, if you, you know, have mold illness, then you have no immune system. If you have the HLA genes or any of the um, genetic mutations of the MTHFR gene, then you have trouble with detoxing and you have trouble with creating antibodies to fight off mold or Lyme. So for me, I had to take supplements to help with that. So um, one thing I do that I love doing is B12 shots. Um, I take the methylcobalamin form of B12 specifically because of my gene or because of my genetic makeup. So it actually helps uh, your body more than the other types of B12s that they can give you. Um, I also take supplements like CoQ10 that's supposed to help with the mitochondria because your cells are completely fatigued when you're going through this illness. I take curcumin and as well as SPM active. Those are two supplements that really help with inflammation. Both of those I do take on an empty stomach because if you are trying to take something for inflammation and you take it with food, it actually basically cancels it out. So you do want to take those on an empty stomach. Um, Other supplements that I take are, uh, I take a full regular B12. Um, I do have a list of them somewhere on, I'm looking for my long list of supplements, but I do have. If it's on your website, that's perfect. Then you can just go right there and get the full extent. Yeah, but basically any supplements that help lower inflammation and strengthen your immune system are everything that I take. And I think that that's what's really helped me the most. What advice would you have for someone who knows they're dealing with mold and is trying to figure out, okay, what to do? 
I would say the first step that you have to do is to get out of it. And if you can't afford to do that, um, treating yourself while you're in mold is close to impossible to heal, in my opinion. Um, so whether you need to find a friend or you need to break your lease or you need to try and find a new home or remediate, I do think that that's the most important. Um, the next important would be to change diet to be a low inflammation diet. I personally follow an autoimmune diet. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Dr. Amy Myers, but she has the book called The Autoimmune Solution. And I think it's one of the best books for dieting for mold and Lyme because it's completely low inflammatory. Um, it has a lot of foods that you can't eat, but she ends up having a ton of recipes of foods that you can't eat. So diet is huge. Finding the right supplements for lowering inflammation and helping your immune system. And then probably what helped me the most was just opening up my detox pathways and detoxing. So whether it's dry brushing, coffee enemas, infrared sauna, Epsom salt baths, I am still religious to those um, almost every single day, at least the infrared sauna and the Epsom salt bath. But uh, coffee enemas I do every three days and just really helping your body to detox and detoxing slowly um, because I'm sure you probably already know but Herxheimer reactions are a complete nightmare um, so if you don't if you detox too quickly you might hit the Herxheimer reaction um, where it might feel like you're dying but you're not uh, but yeah <laughs> detoxing slowly I wish I learned that in the very beginning <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you had that at in, in Vita, but <laughs> oh yeah, there yeah. was. But you know what? That's that's how I usually do it. I'm like, eh, just go for it. I already yeah. felt like death at that point, so I was like, <laughs> at least I feel like death for a good reason now. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're feeling like death while you're healing, <laughs> right? I know it yes. made me feel better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely starting slowly and uh, finding out like what works for you, like adding in one supplement at a time, removing the ones that don't feel like they're doing anything or making you feel a lot worse. So really trusting your body because um, not my protocol might, you know, not necessarily help someone else a hundred percent, but it might help them in some way. And at least that's what I hope for. Awesome. Leandra, what is your website? My website is www.toxicprotocol.com, but it's spelled T-O-X-S-I-C-K protocol.com. Awesome. Thank you for being here with us. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Hi, guys. I want to let you know about a book I wrote called Little Bite, Big Trouble. And I'm going to read a review that recently came in. This is from Carolyn. And she says, thank you so much for writing your book. It has become the means by which I have explained Lyme to my four-year-olds. They asked for it to be read as a bedtime story over and over again and love that the mama birdie does yoga and juicing like their mommy. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for writing this book. It has helped my family so much. You can find it today at Amazon.com, Little Bite, Big Trouble. On this segment, we once again are joined with by Jennifer Heath, 
Jennifer Heath is the number one international best-selling author of the eye-opening book, Overcoming Lyme Disease. The founder of the Overcoming Lyme Disease Academy, she's been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, USA, Today, Wall Street, Journal, and Lyme Voice. After horrific multi-year experience with an undiagnosed case of Lyme, with the help of her holistic doctor and 30 plus years of her health journey, Jennifer was able to heal her body from some of the damages that are caused by Lyme disease and did so by treating it almost exactly like cancer. Now, on this segment, we're gonna get specific on how to find a doctor who will actually treat you. Another interesting part of this episode is her strong view of vaccines. Now, as a Lyme patient, if you're dealing with Lyme, this is an issue that you cannot ignore. And if you haven't done so already, take some time and really investigate what a compromised immune system endures with vaccines. Hope you enjoy it. With me today is best-selling author Jennifer Heath, author of Overcoming Lyme Disease. Jennifer recently launched her not-for-profit called Lyme Disease Advocates that will be up and running very shortly. Jennifer, thank you again for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So one of the big questions that we get, it varies from state to state, is how to find a doctor who will actually help treat you. So let's just talk a little bit about that journey and some of the things that you have learned in comparison from doctors in Western medicine and then doctors in allopathic medicine. How do you find a doctor who will actually help you and can you find those doctors within your insurance? Well, that's the reason why I'm starting Lyme Disease Advocates is to educate doctors on the disease because they are lied to. They are told that this is a bacterial infection when it is way worse. It's actually a parasitic spirochete that sheds fungal antigens. Fungal antigens shut down the immune system so latent viruses like Epstein-Barr virus or herpes virus can run wild or any of those vaccines that your child or you have been getting get to cause the disease because you are immune suppressed. So, um, so number one, doctors and anybody, even in holistic care, a lot of them need to be educated on this because they're seeing it. A lot of holistic doctors are seeing that this is more fungal and viral not just bacterial and parasitic, but they don't understand what they're seeing. So first is that you got to let people know what they're dealing with in order for them to help their patients. So when you're looking at Lyme disease as it should be, it's not a normal bacterial infection. You got to deal with parasites, you got to deal with fungal, and you got to deal with viruses. So that's the big thing is like educating doctors on that. Now, holistic doctors... um, Uh, naturopath doctors or chiropractors have more in the line with this holistic approach because they've been assaulted by the American Medical Association and all the um, powers that be that don't like holistic medicine that have been trying to shut them down. So, you know, I suggest looking at those doctors because those doctors are obviously doing something right if they're being attacked by the powers that be, the big pharma people. So, but the problem is, is that on top of that, insurance companies, you know, for the treatments, the holistic treatments that you need is not covered by insurance. So that's a whole other thing. And, and as at the end of my book, I share about we need to get rid of our current sick care system and actually get a actual health care system to help people because what our doctors have been educated on are, have nothing to do. They have no idea on how to heal the body or how it works. 
Drugs only uh, cause constipation. And as we t discussed earlier, the two causes for the ancient healers always said the reason there's two causes for disease, and that is auto intoxication. So you're not digesting and eliminating those toxins right away. And also circulation, your lymphatics aren't moving and you're not draining. So, um, you know, doctors need to be educated on the body. They only get two and a half hours, if that, in school. That's it and they're dealing with an actual organic person. So, you know, knowing how science work, uh, real science, real uh, biochemistry is very important and they need to be educated on it. Hence why I'm starting the nonprofit to educate doctors and also people, the world or whoever on this disease. I love hearing about all the different not-for-profits, their focus, right? Because in general, it can just seem like this broad approach. But I remember reading something recently that you had posted about being able, the goal of your organization is to educate doctors. And there's other organizations that provide treatment. There's other ones that actually, you know, try to provide care or different things or awareness. But there's not, I wasn't aware of any type of a program specific to educating doctors. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's so huge. Because they're the front line. Yeah. And well, there, there are programs. They're just being educated by the CDC and the original criminals of the crime and calling it a bacterial infection. Right. So that's what You're they're right. being educated on. Yeah. And my thing eventually, I plan on helping, you know, being able to have secure assistance and also help other Lyme groups and organizations. And so, yeah, it's very much needed. Um, the truth about what Lyme disease really is and that it is a biological weapon. It is the reason why it's not being able to be, there's no such thing as chronic Lyme diseases because it is a biological weapon and the army and the military and every, whoever is in bed with the criminals, they, um, they want to keep this hidden from the fact that it is a biological weapon. And I have proof of all of that. And it's in my book. So that's and, and it's funny right now, the tick-borne disease working group, uh, you know, they have the CDC, the De Department of Defense and all the criminals, FDA on the board there. And then in the subcommittees, they have every subcommittee that should be with um, victims and, you know, people that know about the disease. They have each subcommittee has an army person there. Why does the army have to infiltrate the tick-borne disease working group? That's, if that doesn't point a finger what? to what's, yeah, nothing is. <laughs> yeah. That's like currently happening? Yes, that's currently happening. Wow. Yep. Huh. It's so complicated. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so what are some pointers? What are some questions that you ask when you go in? If your doctor says there's no such thing as chronic Lyme or there's no such thing as Lyme here or Lyme couldn't debilitate you like this, what do you do? Do you just walk out the door? Do you – what well, did you I, do? I hand them my book, of course. <laughs> Say, here, read. Unfortunately, um, to everybody that is sick with this disease, they are laughed at. And they are told that Lyme disease is not real. Chronic Lyme disease does not exist. Um, what you are suffering is not Lyme disease because Lyme disease is not that. And the reason why they say that is because of the Lyme crime that I talk about in my book when um, to sell a fake Lyme marks vaccine, the CDC officers changed the case definition and testing to sell the fake Lyme marks vaccine that got pulled off the market because it was giving everybody neurological Lyme and causing people to get very ill. And so right now, as we discussed earlier, is that there's a new Lyme vaccine that's being fast-tracked in which that tick-borne disease working group that in D.C. that I was telling you about, Obamacare, started, 21st Century Cure Act, and they 
totally uh, loaded up the committee members with people that are trying to keep this disease from everybody, the truth about Lyme disease. So they're actually pushing new Lyme vaccine. That is really, it really should be called the vaccine working group because that's their agenda is so get this fast track Lyme vaccine done. And actually this new Lyme vaccine has outer surface protein, um, so fungal antigens of six different brillia. And so it's going to give everybody neurological Lyme because you cannot inject fungal bathroom scum into the blood. Our bodies, it's not a good thing. It will shut down the immune system. So latent viruses like Epstein-Barr virus or herpes viruses can run wild or whatever else is in the vaccine or in that uh, vector that bug that bit you. If it fed off another infected animal or person and then bites you, you have whatever those diseases are that they just transfer to you. How much of this does the average person who's recently infected with Lyme probably has been sick for X number of years, maybe even before that, when they walk into a doctor's office, does their doctor, their, what does their doctor know beyond Lyme doesn't exist or chronic Lyme can't cause this? Do their... <laughs> they're told what, two weeks of antibiotics and they're good? I mean, I don't, they're, they're not taught about Lyme disease, unfortunately. And in a lot of states, they just tell you, like Nevada, they say ticks aren't allowed to be in our state. So they, they, they notice a sign, do not enter, and they walk away. So they don't have Lyme in Nevada. Um, unfortunately, the ignorance is the denial of this disease is so severe, and doctors are not educated on this disease. They are told it doesn't exist, and that two weeks of antibiotics, and you're cured. So it's very sad. It's very hard. I think, what is it, 98% of medical doctors don't believe in Lyme disease. So, you know, you got to find those rare 2%. And again, I think that people should look into people that are into holistic medicine and healing that are into doing the herbs and juicing and things and gut health and all of that, because our gut is our 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So somebody that's educated on the gut is very important. And I don't know if you know this, but um, in uh, <laughs> Bernard Jensen mentioned in his book, Tissue Cleansing Through Bowel Management, he mentioned that um, with colon cancer, uh, the number one profession of people dying with colon cancer is medical doctors. <laughs> and those are the ones that give you antibiotics. Antibiotics ruin your good gut bacteria. You need your good bacteria to help fight diseases. So you know, it, it just goes hand in hand. And, you know, that just shows you how ignorant Western medicine is, is that they don't understand the human body nor how it works. So it's pretty sad. Well, and you have a whole chapter, we don't have time to talk about it, but you have a whole chapter on called the military militarization of our medical system, correct? Health, yeah. And that's where vaccinations is public health, because they don't have anything else. They call it preventative, which they give you the disease. Yeah. So we didn't talk about this beforehand, but the way I like see things unfolding is the fact that we've turned, in a sense, we've turned over our health care to a government system who is working hand in hand with the pharmaceutical companies who work hand in hand with the medical schools. And they've all concurred that this is not necessarily going to be covered and or treated. And so we are literally ignoring millions of people who are suffering. How in the world is this okay? Well, it's because uh, people are blind right now. They're, you know, they're being dumbed down. They're giving vaccines. They're on 
who knows how many drugs for antidepressants, anxiety, all of this stuff. Our children are a mess. Adults are a mess. They um, have gone to, they're trusting big government and doctors for their health who cannot possibly help them. Um, The father of medicine, Hippocrates, said, if you are not your own doctor, you are a fool. And that totally rings today. Mm. So many fools out there that are trusting in the government and in big pharma and in their doctors and insurance companies that won't pay for their health. And unfortunately, you get what you paid for. Well, actually, no, because if you're paying a lot of money into insurance, you're not getting anything. All you're doing is getting sicker. You're paying them to make you ill so that you could be a consumer of their drugs. Yeah. And when do you think public consciousness is going to catch up with this fact? Or or will it? (laughs) Well, who knows uh, the way that things are going these days. But, um, well... Praise God for uh, social media because now voices can be heard and the truth is coming out. But unfortunately, the powers that be are looking at medical and Muslim people that do talk about medical because they are in bed with the deep state and the powers that be. So, you know, big pharma vaccines makers, all of them are very diabolical. Their aim is to either kill us or make us very ill and make us big consumers for them. So, I see it as they're trying to kill us and well, both of them, but you know, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with something. Um, I like the Ephesians six twelve is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. So it's, it's everywhere. So we're dealing with a satanic attack on mankind and the brainwashing that, um, that vaccines will help you. And I mean, the commercials here in the United States, I don't think other countries allow that. But you know, you look at the drug vaccine, the drugs, even the big uh, pharmacy about like this drug is good for, you know, heartburn, but yet it can kill you, it can do all these other side effects. Like, oh, my gosh, I'd rather just have the heartburn. And then you look (laughs) at the vaccine, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty awful. And what really irritates me is the vaccine makers and the Gardasil And the one that um, actually it's now off of my um, blog because uh, when they they uh, Facebook purged me March 1st because I was going to go live um, with the RN interview her about the Lyme CDC rally that we did in front of the CDC on May 4th. They purged me. But I had in um, on my Facebook, um, I had uh, a video of the Gardasil video of them. A girl saying, Mom, Dad, why didn't you vaccinate me? And it's like, oh, my goodness. I mean. How awful that they are playing this propaganda, this bullcrap, and allowed to brainwash our children into thinking that they need a deadly vaccine. I mean, this has gone too far, and I really pray and hope that Congress wakes up and stops allowing this stuff because, you know, I know from medical doctors that, you know, people come in and they demand. I mean, they're they're sort of upset, too, because they can't even decide what drug to give their patient is because they come, the patients come in and, and demanding these drugs because they saw it on TV and it was supposed to help their new, it's a new drug and it's supposed to help their thing. They don't even listen to anymore to what the side effects are because they think, well, you know what, the FDA... And government should be protecting us. So there's no way that those side effects will happen. I mean, I don't understand why they don't listen to them or take heed. But for some reason, once they start talking about the side effects, it goes over their head. But unfortunately, with vaccines, they don't even tell you the side effects. The the doctor doesn't even give you consent, informed consent, before they inject your children or yourself with vaccines. And 
they should be reading the vial, the vaccine, the pamphlet that comes with the vials in from the manufacturer and reading that to their patients or clients before they inject them with these uh, unknown fungal antigens and live viruses because people need to know and also aborted fetuses, you know, aborted children, they are taken. We have male and female. So you wonder why gender identity is so hard right now is, you know, children are being given DNA of male and female. So of course we have genders not knowing what they want. Plus on top of that, they're taking enzymes and nutrients out of the food. So, you know, our bodies are not working the way God intended them to work. So you know, this is so diabolical what's been going on for years and years, and it's just getting worse. And, and how many vaccines? And that's what Obamacare came out with. And the 21st Century Cure Act, which all but four uh, Congress people d- said no on, uh, passed. And the 21st Century Cure Act actually has a militarization of vaccinations for adults. So now they're coming up what? with vaccines that they have for children that they're going to use on adults. And so this has to stop. And and the Tick-Borne Disease Working Group was formulated out of Obama thing, the 21st Century Cure Act, and it was supposed to be transparent. It has been everything but transparent. They have fired people that uh, Dr. Holler, who was wanting to go transparent, and they fired her. They're firing everybody um, and muzzling them that is talking about the disease. They're, They're not being transparent with the public. They're not, they're denying um, the public their right to talk and like, registered on their on their pages. So it's it's really sad. So once again, we are in Dearborn 2 because Dearborn 1 happened in Dearborn, Michigan here, the state that I live in, Michigan, where that's where the uh, Barbara Johnson held a conference and invited all the labs in the, you know, different labs in the U.S. that test for Lyme. And she said, this is the new two-tier test for Lyme. And people, they only had 15% of it, w- it ended up being about 15% only with the new two-tier test and actually uh, showed up as Lyme disease. So 85% of the, of the new two-tier testing did not pick up Lyme disease. And, that, and then the, they had paid off FDA members, so then they allowed it to happen, even though the labs were coming in like, we can, we don't, we, we're, not, we're not seeing Lyme now that we have this two-tier testing. And so, um, so they dumbed down the, two, the testing for Lyme. They did the serial negative, which are... They're looking for uh, seropositive, so um, antibody response. Well, 85% of our population will not have an antibody response to this, only 15%. So, you know, that's why most people, even though if they do ask for a Lyme test, they're not going to get shown that they have Lyme disease because the testing is fraud. Hmm. And even if you did get tested for it, um, you only get two weeks, maybe three or four weeks of antibiotics, and then they're going to tell you that you are cured and that any symptoms that you are now experiences, not a, a ongoing infection. It's just, it's called post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, whatever that means. So it's their get out of jail free card and people, they're, they're not getting rid of the disease. They're lying to people. And now they send the people off to a psychiatrist or whoever that's going to medicate them because they're crazy now that they still think that they're sick. I mean, this is ludicrous and this has to stop. And I think as more and more people are falling ill, and especially for the fact that one out of 28 American children now have autism. And I think now they're saying like one out of 18 American boys. So um, this is, again, the fungal viral synergy. The reason why they put Thimerosal in vaccines was to prevent, and this is on the CDC and the FDA, their website, is to prevent unknown fungal 
uh, or bacterial growth because it can kill you. And so that fungal injected into you shuts down your immune system. So there's no way that you can have an antibody response to that live virus that they just injected into your child. And MMR, R is for rubella. So it's measles, mumps, and then rubella. It's three viruses in one, but the rubella is autism. So the, the, the disease that causes autism is what they've been injecting into our children and they're giving them autism. Now, this has to stop. I mean, when are people going to rise up and say, enough, this is awful. And I do have under-resources on my website, overcominglymedisease.com. I have under-resource, uh, you just download a, um, it's a vaccine responsibility form. And I suggest everybody to download that and take it to their child's pediatrician office for their next vaccine visit and have them read over it and have them initial and make sure they do everything that it says. And then let the doctor sign his life away on there. Now, I don't know if this will hold up in court, but the thing is, it's going to make your doctor really think before he injects that your child with uh, some deadly viruses and things. Let him know that, you know what, I'm not stupid. So if you're in a state like California, Mississippi, or West Virginia, where you can't get out of getting a vaccine because they took away our religious exemption in those three states, you know, take that in there and just see if they will sign it. If not, ask them to sign off on medical because medical, if a doctor signs off on medical, that will then allow your child not to get vaccinated. But the problem is, is that you got to find a doctor that has the balls, excuse my French, to do that because, you know, they will come after uh, big pharma insurance companies and the power that be are going to come after them <clears throat> because they signed off and used medical. They don't want anybody to think that their deadly vaccines actually kill people or hurt, maim them. So it's, it's really sad. We're in a catch-22 and that's where, you know, we have to be a grassroots movement. We have to educate people and, you know, we have to, what we learned that we have to duplicate and go out and tell somebody else. And that's the reason, another reason why I started the nonprofit is because I want to set up that, educate people on it so that they can go out and tell a friend. And the more and more people that we have going out and sharing what they learn, the more, the sooner that this disease will get recognized and people will get the treatment and help that they deserve and need. Yeah. I think it boils down to this, Jennifer, like to actually find a doctor who is going to help you. Like every other aspect of this journey, you just have to decide that you're going to fight for the care you deserve. Don't you think? Yep. Oh, and, yeah. And if it's a gut or a hunch or the fact that the doctor just flat out says it, I don't believe it or I'm not going to help you, go find someone else. Exactly. Yeah, I fired many doctors. <laughs> Well, so. yeah, of course. But I think even that, there's a learning curve in that because a lot of people don't even think I have the right to fire my doctor. Yeah, no, they don't. And just so you know, uh, your child's pediatrician cannot drop your child um, for not vaccinating. That would be against the law. They can't leave you without care. Hmm. Good to know. Mm -hmm. All right. Remember to go download the vaccine responsibility form. And then also, Jennifer, you have a 40-page Overcoming Lyme Disease book that's available. Yes, it's overcominglymedisease.com and it's forward slash free dash handbook. And if you go there, it's a 40-page PDF that has things that you can do from home. So I talk about um, you know, coffee enemas and different enemas and then I get into deep tissue cleansing and also something basic that I learned Early on, from Virginia uh, Jenkins, who was 
just love and adore like a mom to me. She was a world-renowned nutritionist and was an RN and so knowledgeable. And anyway, so one of the first things that she taught me to get my gut moving was to do, I have that protocol in there with a flaxseed tea at night and then in the morning, good bacteria. And then doing this uh, breakfast blend thing that actually the prunes and the mixture, whatever helps feed the good bacteria because you want to feed those good critters. You want lots of good critters in your gut because your critters are going to help save your life. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. (laughs) Wishing your doctors could communicate and come up with a cohesive plan specific to your medical needs and genetics. At Invita Medical Center, they offer a team style approach, giving you the opportunity to heal. In addition to a commitment of providing radical love and care for their patients, They are strategically located in sunny Arizona because Arizona offers the best integrative medical laws in the country. Call today to speak with one of their patient care coordinators. You can find them online at Invita.com. Line Voice thanks Invita Medical for the continued support. Please reach them at 1-866-830-4576. The title of this next segment is Healing Stories. We want to focus on people who have made significant gains in their health. It is so important to keep focused on positive things because what you focus on will come to you, good or bad. Social media can be such a useful tool, but it can have a dark side. It is no wonder that people can get very negative because as we are sharing our painful stories and exhausting journeys, We're all focused on the negative parts of this journey. It can be very healing to acknowledge the pain and address the unfathomable suffering that chronic illness can bring. But there is a limit. There's a point where it is no longer helpful, when it actually starts becoming damaging. Jim talks to this quite a bit. We have to take time to remember hope, remember how to laugh, to take pleasure in small but significant victories. So let's make a healing choice and focus on this good story of how Jim healed from chronic illness. Welcome to this next segment of Game Changers. And with me today is Jim Lanham, fellow Lyme warrior from Michigan. Jim, thank you for being with us today. Pleased to be here. So Jim, tell us a bit about your story with Lyme and how you came to be a Lyme warrior. Well, I was uh, sick last spring with a really bad flu, and it lasted a couple weeks, and then I went back to work, and then I got sick again. This was in April. I went back to work, and a couple weeks later, I was sick again. This time he said it was a stomach virus, but he wanted to do some more testing because he thought it was kind of odd that I got sick so fast. So I suggested we test for mono, and he said, yeah, we'll check for that, and we'll check for a few other things, and... Got over that one, and I got sick yet again, and this time I was diagnosed as strep. When I was at a clinic, I didn't go to my doctor because he wasn't available. So shortly after that, another week or so, I got the results back, the blood test, and they said I was anemic, and I'd been exposed to mono, but I didn't have it. And that was on one day, and then I was supposed to see him the next day. The next day I saw him, he told me I had Lyme. I didn't believe him. Huh. I asked him if he, asked him if he knew anything about it. He said, no, I don't really know anything about it. 
this movie had any literature or books or anything you refer me to? No, I don't know anything about it. So I went home and hit the library, the internet, copied articles, wrote all kinds of articles, ordered books, started reading and researching and learning. So you were sick for how long? Is this just in 2017? That was just 2017 when it... Wow. I've, I've been sick a lot over the years, but nothing... It was like a perfect storm. I got sick and it just never stopped. I'd yeah. get better. I, I thought I'd be buried back down and be even worse. By the third one, my body was wiped out. I was wiped out. I was in my brain. You could cut the fog with a butter knife. Mm. That's how fogged in I was. I mean, I'd mow my lawn. Last fall, I remember running to a tree. I remember seeing things... I was sick a long time. I just kept fighting it till it finally was able to get strong enough to take me down because I wouldn't let it take me down. Yeah. One of those kind of people. <laughs> Got a real strong spirit and heart. I just, I just simply, I was that sick until I started doing research and talking with other people with Lyme and looking at forums and such like, and then talking to my advisor that I, I, got rid of mainstream medicine within three months. Wow, that's quick getting, for you. Well, I just kept getting real sick with a doxycycline. I give me a augment for the strep throat infection that I had that never was strep, still isn't, and has, hasn't gone away as yet, but is much better. And uh, I was going to this health food store, and she referred me to a nutritional practitioner not very far from where I live. She oh. sent me up with a metabolic assessment to find out what was going on with my body, how it worked, what worked, what didn't, what needed to be fixed. And we, I'd already done some dietary changes just from what I started reading. I I was diagnosed diabetic three years ago, but I think that was probably the Lyme as well because I got rid of it quick. I changed my diet, took my A1C, me really low, and I was good to go, and I thought I'd get a break. <laughs> so much for the break. I think the break wasn't even a year, and I was sick again. So this last time, I guess the Lyme said that it had enough playing around me. It was going to take me down hard this time, and it did. We started the diet. took about a month. She said my wife, my wife went with me to every appointment. She's only missed one appointment of all my appointments. She missed the one, and she regretted it ever since because I wasn't treated right, and she wasn't going to let that happen again. So uh, we went, started with a pr practitioner. She said for four weeks, my, neither my wife nor I no, smiled. We were there, but we never smiled. Until after four weeks, we started smiling. Hmm. I started I started feeling different. The diet was amazing because the brain fog, a lot of my brain fog, I believe, was the, the grains and the dairy in addition to the lime. But the grains and the dairy, for me, I believe, just made it worse. So that was a big help right there, the dietary changes. Then we started, after my we got the diet fixed, she started me on some specific vitamins and supplements and a little bit of detox. Not too much. Told me to do the detox baths that I was doing and do the ionic foot baths I was doing up in Frankenmose. So I stayed with those and we. she started me with a little bit. She said, just take a little bit to start, see how you feel, and then adjust it accordingly. And then we went from there. I saw her for the first eight weeks. I saw her every week for an hour and a half. All this was out of pocket. Right. But we, we prepared for it. Uh, we didn't care. We just we made it to be something that we are going to, everything else would be in the background. And we'd take care of this first. And then um, last October, uh, I officially retired. I'd been thinking about it for a while. But when I got sick and I wasn't getting any better, and my doctor, my MD that I left, he, he told me to go back to work twice last year. And I wasn't any better at all. And the last time was in September. And he, I was there for to find out about what was going on with disability because he told disability I was going back to work and didn't tell me. But I got a letter from disability saying I was going back to work. So I went to see him. He ignored us. He barely even talked to us when we got contact. He said, you need to go back to work. And I never went back. Uh, I decided that was the end. 
thought about going back to work. My wife and I discussed it, but uh, my fake infection showed up and kind of put the kibosh on that idea. I got real, real sick. It was, it was stress-related. I mean, it was really stressful because I, I left him, and the month before that, I fired the infectious disease doctor who told me he'd try a few things, and then as a last resort, he would do a spinal tap. Well, within three weeks of taking doxycycline, I went from what they thought, health department thought it was early stage, my doctor thought it was really stage Lyme. Infectious disease docs is not sure, but within three weeks, I was having all this stuff, the panic, the anxiety, super bad brain fog, the itching, the creepy crawlies, just uh, total misery. I'm sure you can identify with a lot of this. I never experienced anything like this in my life. Oh, it's unfathomable. It is. It was unfathomable to me. I could not believe it. I mean, I had, thankfully, I wasn't working because I could sit down and take stock. I'm like, what in the world is happening to me? And finally, I just... Um, I've been a Christian a long time, but I've been in and out as far as my faithful and on top of it. But this, this last time I just cried out to God and he was waiting for me to call out to him because things have just been amazing. Just I made amazing progress in just the last year or so. My advisor says I'm a, an anomaly. I'm blessed. Kim says she's never seen anybody do what I've done in a year. And the people at the Lime Board, I've gone with some of the Lime Board meetings with her, and I might join the Lime Board sometime soon. And they were amazed at how much I changed. And one of the people in the support group is uh, a good friend of Kim's, and she told Kim, pass it on to me, that I was a different person because I was barely functioning a year ago. The lady at Healthy Habits at Frankenmuth said when she met me, my skin was grayish-green. I struggled to walk, to do anything, to talk to form complete sentences like I'm doing now. Right. She said I was hanging on by a, a thin thread. That was all that kept me from going to the big hole. Hmm. That's how close I was to the big hole. I didn't know what I was still just fighting just to, to function. I had no idea what this was like until I started learning about it. And the more I learned, I'm going, really? <laughs> I don't think there's anything this bad around. Oh, right. So what percentage do you think you're operating at now on an average day? A percentage now? Yeah. Uh, about, about 70, 75. Okay. I've, uh, I feel a thousand percent better mentally, emotionally, spiritually than I did last year. And I'm a lot stronger. Last year, it took two hands to pick up a gallon of milk with great effort. And I thought I was getting dementia as well. I thought I was getting dementia and poor circulation because I was cold all the time. But I was so weak. I could not believe how weak I was. It was un yeah. unbelievable. I just had no idea. You know, I'm in my 60s, so, well, you know, old age is catching up to me. But my physical, I'm in great shape. I'm like, then why do I feel so bad? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm in such great shape and all the blood work says I'm good. <laughs> it's the million-dollar question. <laughs> right, exactly. No, it, I'm probably, what did I say, 65, 70, 75, somewhere around there. <laughs> I got a ways to go. So as you're going along this journey, you start figuring out what? about your mindset. You said that you began to figure out that your mindset and what you're telling yourself is really important. Oh, yes. Um, as one of the first things my advisor said at our very first meeting, because so when you're in a brain fog and people are talking to you, you only hear bits and pieces. But when you're mind like mine, you want to grab whatever you can feel or see out there because you're trying to get back to yourself because I feel like I totally lost who I was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't have any idea who I was. I'd lost, like lost my identity. So she mentioned in one of our first meetings about the mindset and the thought process being important in fighting disease. That was the only thing I, I heard of all the things she said. And many people were saying it. And I'm like, I finally grasped onto it. I'm like, I was listening. I started listening to myself talk. I was talking bad about myself to myself. 
which was making me feel even worse. And then uh, I had all this, this negative mindset that I finally caught on that I was doing. I've been reading emails and ebooks and all kinds of things for many years, several years. It must have been God talking to me. It was all talking about the mindset. You want to fix anything, you got to fix the mind. And apparently I have a couple of brain cells because people tell me I'm very intelligent. <laughs> and I guess I'm finally starting to believe that. And I have some various talents, which talking seems to be one of them. <laughs> I studied to be a preacher and was a licensed minister for 11 years. But huh. this seems to be a new, what I'm doing now seems to be a new thing for me. Okay, so I started journaling and writing it down and looking at it, and I was looking at where I was at now, I mean, when I was sick and where I was before, and the journey I'd taken, it was like, it was just like one thing after another, like, for some reason, I'm always chronically sick. I had diagnosed with seizure disorder in 73. That could have been Lyme, I don't know. And there was yeah. hypoglycemia in 1980. I, I would never saw a bite or a rash. But I've had a lot of chronic illnesses over the years, and apparently this is this is the good one. Huh. But I started getting in touch with, started starting to want to believe. It was uh, take one step at a time. My wife and I made a vow because I, when I got fed up with this and angry with it, because I didn't want to feel this way, and I wasn't going to just take it. I wasn't going to let a bunch of words that say how multisystemic infectious disease. Uh, very powerful, very deadly, very destructive. I wasn't going to take that lying down. That's not the way I was raised. That's not the kind of person I am. So I made a vow every day a little better. And that was my, my starting point. Mm, I like that. So you guys would say that to each other? Yes. Every day and, a little better. Yeah. We'd look at each other. And if I was having a bad day, she'd just look at me and say, better. Or she'd say something positive. She was my big, she's my biggest encourager, my wife is. Because mm. there was a point where I thought, am I really sick? Or I just don't want to go back to work. I mean, I had to ask her. I said, I want to know if she believed I was sick. What did she say? First, she didn't know. But after a while, she realized because I had a really bad, severe panic anxiety attack. She was working at the time, and I told her, you have to come home. She says, I'm, I'm going out of my mind here. I'm, we're going to have to go to Healthy Habits because I need something, and the doctor can't get me in today, and I have to have something because I'm not going to be able to last until tomorrow, the appointment they set up. I was just totally losing it. And so we went to Healthy Habits, and I got a something to calm me down and some other things and the foot detox, my first one ever. And then uh, from that point on, we decided, you know, one day a little better. And I just started with that and I built a line to it. And I've, my advisor does something that's called Jaffe Malheur Technique. It's a type of energy therapy, muscle testing kind of thing. What? Wait, repeat that. J-F-E? Jaffe Malheur. J-F-J-A-F-F-E. Malheur. I don't know how to spell Malheur exactly. Okay. You can, you can find it. It's, it's a technique she's learned. She had saw 38 doctors, was misdiagnosed MS, nearly died, and now she rock climbs and everything. Mm -hmm. She's treated over a thousand patients. So I'm really blessed to have found her because she... And who is we're this? Doing it. What is it? Um, and this is the doctor? It's the... a nutritional practitioner. Oh, okay. Functional okay. diagnostic nutritional practitioner. How big of a game changer was she for you? Total. Yeah. She gave me a plan. She told me how much hard it was going to be. She got down to my level and she knew because she'd been there. So she, we were able to communicate and bond right away. And then I would, because of that, she showed me the, I did the metabolic assessment. They showed me the results of it. I'm either a hard sell or an easy sell. But if there's a trust established immediately, we're golden. We, we bond immediately. I believe she could help me. And she, she has taken what we call a bare bones approach. She only is going to do 
what I need and when I need it. So this is in stages and in layers. You can't just go in there and go nuts, do different things all at once. You have to take it in stages. There's a process. She learned this, and that's what she does. It's a process. She said the first thing is the diet and the milk and the vitamins and supplements. Then you work on the thoughts, the feelings, and the emotions because those all tie in with the toxins and the pathogens too, I learned, which I never knew before. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> totally fascinating. It's amazing the kind of layers you can form that, and see when, when you're sick or you don't feel good, or you've suffered in, illnesses and injuries. I learned I planted a seed in my mind and it stayed there. So either I have the ability or she's taught me to get the ability, but I have the ability to go inside my mind and search out past feelings, emotions, and thoughts and look at them and analyze them. And I can see them from a different perspective mm. and change how they work in my own mind. And by there, by doing that, I begin to heal not only my, my mind, but my body as well. It's a mind, body, soul, spirit. It's, it's all tied together. And once I started believing that I could do that, because I thought, you know, it's too late to change my patterns of thinking. It's too late to teach, teach an old dog new tricks. I'm just going to have to be the way I am. Mm-hmm. Well, she and the lady in Frankenmuth, and I spoke to her twice, once in May and once in June, because once I started coming and getting better, amazing things started happening. It's just one thing after another, just things just started snowballing. Jim, and it was amazing. That's really neat because so I've been talking to people for the last five years, people who originally the people I was talking to were people who were thinking of going out to the clinic in Vita that I went to. So I was just talking to them about my experience out there. Um, but then once we started the podcast, so I've spoken to hundreds of people and I had told my dad not too long ago, uh, my dad is in his mid 60s. And I said, Dad, I said, there's a pattern that I see. I said, when I talk to people who are over the age of about 65 some of them will are like you they have that that fighting mindset they're like okay i'm gonna do whatever needs to get done i'm gonna do the diet i'm gonna do this stuff but a significant number of the people that i have talked to over the last five years who are over the age of 65 say things like i'm too old to put this much energy into this i'm too old to put this much time into this i'd rather give my money to my kids or like there's all these reasons why they don't want to do it and i I get that, right? I get sure. that. But I, it was it it happened enough that it just it made me even mention it to my dad because I'm like, huh? Because there's a you have a lot of life left at 65. <laughs> well, I don't feel 64. I'm 64 and I don't feel 64. In fact, I feel since I've gotten so much better in the last year, I feel about 20 years younger than I, than I did. Because last year I looked in the mirror and I saw an old man and my skin was all dry and crusty and flaky and everything and my feet look like heck. I've been seeing a foot doctor for many years and uh, I see him more often now because I was diagnosed with a diabetes and a lot of the problems with my feet I see are related to this Lyme and he's learned a lot from me as well so it's kind of neat. I'm getting to educate people that are willing to learn. Awesome. But no, I, I don't I don't know what <laughs> what your age mindset is supposed to be because I don't know. I just, I am who I am. I act the same way all the time pretty much I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a 60... I'm a 19-year-old trapped in a 64-year-old body. <laughs> My body's not as good as it was. It's not real bad, but it's, since I've gotten better with this and I took care of other things, I've, I feel a lot better. There's far less aches and pains. I mean, I thought I was getting arthritis. You know, all the things you, they say you're going to get when you go along. So I'm like, gee, all of a sudden I'm, I'm rejuvenating. Those aches and pains don't matter as much because certain things you're eating, you don't know that you're eating. I was eating a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been eating. I realized I thought I was eating healthy, but I wasn't. And a lot of those things, I was just adding more 
to the fires. She said I was fighting like 100 fires all at once. Said, That's why you're so sick. Says nobody can fight 100 fires at once. Says you got to take them one at a time. I said you've probably got 100 going on. I'm like, oh, that's comforting. <laughs> can, yeah, I, go ahead. Can you give us some examples of some of the mindsets that you've changed or reprogrammed? Like you said, you realized that you were um, basically saying bad things about yourself. Do you, do you now consciously say something opposite of that when you have those negative thought patterns about yourself? Or yes. okay, I had to learn. It, it was hard. It was very hard for me. They say it takes 21 days to break a habit. I don't know how long it took. All I know is I didn't fool around with me too much. I said, all right, now we got to start loving ourselves. We got to start picking ourselves up. And I, I would... When you're all fogged in, you don't recognize a lot of things you're doing. But when you start fighting and you get that little crack of light, like you have in the Let There Be Light, that page we have. Yes. Get that little crack of light and you start to see. And I would catch myself. And my wife would catch me doing it. And sometimes I'd even be speaking and not knowing it. It's another symptom of this. She said, I heard what you were saying. I said, what was I saying? <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I had to be conscious of that. I'm very conscious of myself. Talk effect. If it comes out and it's something bad, I'll make a joke about it or I'll turn it in a completely different direction. I come from a long line of people that are sarcastic, no one-liners, and can make anything funny without even trying <laughs> if I'm on. And so I, I've used that. I've used my sense of humor. I've made fun of this disease. I've written about it. I've talked about it. i talked to it. I've expressed gratitude for it. That that really messes it up when you express gratitude for it. That That's a big game changer, too. I'm probably sure you've learned as well. Yeah, well, explain for someone who, it depends where people are at on their journey, that might, that statement you said might blow their minds. Um. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like this. Um, I have the Lyme. It's not going away, so I have to live with it. It's not the best part of my life, but I'm taught to be thankful for the good and the bad. So in light of that, Lyme, I'm thankful for you, even though I don't mean it, but I am thankful for you because it brought changes to my life. It changed me. I, I had to, another thing is I had to learn to grieve and let go of the old me because if I held on to the old me, I couldn't have gotten better because the old me was making Lyme stronger. So by changing who I was and who I thought I was and believing people when they were telling me, instead of being a skeptic, people would say nice things about me or, you know, I didn't like to take compliments. I didn't like to take recognition or praise. I, you know, kind of shy away from it. Well, instead I started I'd hear that and I'd say, good, I like that. You give me a little bit of praise and a little bit of recognition, it'll take me a long way. So I started grabbing onto that as well. I'm like, okay, so I really am a good person after all, even hmm. though I've been telling myself for years that I'm not. Because hmm. chronic diseases, you probably understood, when you're sick, everything goes haywire. Yeah. You turn totally against yourself, not just with the illness, but your mind, because your mind, you get scared and afraid. I was scared and afraid and... I didn't know if I was going to get better. This was really, I dealt with it a lot in my life, even a couple times I cheated death. And I thought, wow, aren't I done yet? <laughs> More yeah. preparation. Yeah. yeah, I just, I learned to just, when the, the negative would come out, I'd either laugh at it or I'd make a joke about it or I'd talk about something else or I'd just ignore it. Like it, I didn't say it. It took some practice, but once you get it working, it works fast. Once huh. you get the right tools in place, then your engine starts repairing faster and faster. And as so, I'm talking to you, as I'm talking to you, this is coming to me as I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I can hear it. So, uh, 
it, that that's so interesting because you had to consciously allow the praise and recognition that you were already receiving. You had to allow yourself to actually receive it. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. And accept yeah. it. Right. Because it was too easy for me to turn myself down. Right. It was just too easy. That was the problem. It was too easy. So I made it harder. I started making myself stronger to fight off those kind of thoughts and feelings and emotions. I, I started going to the rooms of my brain that had cobwebs in them for I don't know how many years and going in there, not being afraid to go in them rooms and seeing what was in them rooms and dealing with it and cleaning house. And I've been systematically cleaning out a lot of the dark, musty regions in my brain. I'm remembering things I haven't remembered in years. Things I, a friend of mine was here from, a friend of mine here was here from Kentucky. We went to school together in the, the early 80s. And we were talking, he and his wife and I were sharing after my talk in June when he came up and said, you remember things I don't remember at all. He says, you're very cerebral. <laughs> so, yeah, I like to take things and take them from complex and make them simple. It's, that's what I do. I'm left-handed. That was kind of cool being born left-handed in the 50s in a right-handed world, learning to adapt. So <laughs> I've learned to adapt. And everything I do, I do it backwards, forwards, sideways. I want to find a way. I'm, I want to take it apart. If it has to do with mind or anything, or even anything, I just want to take it apart. If it's complex, I'll make it simple. If it's simple, I'll make it complex and not even know I did it. And I'm like, now how did I do that? Because now I don't even understand what I did. But I did it. You know, like you do something, you're like, I figured it out. How did I do that? It's one of those eureka aha moments. Yeah. It brings you pleasure. And then when you start getting more of those, you just get stronger. And the more I share, I get stronger. It's like I'm reading this from other people, and I'm even realizing I'm getting stronger by sharing. People are this. This is probably a ministry that's going to be part of my life now because I want to get really well, and I want to figure out my process, mm-hmm. how I did, yeah. so I can help others. I enjoy helping others, interacting with them on Facebook and every place. I'm just I'm the kind of person that you come up to me, you tell me anything, and I'll listen. I train to be a minister. It's just part of my makeup. I wanted to study psychology, but my college at the time only offered a degree in the ministry. So I said, well, unless I'm called, I don't want to go. And I was called. <laughs> hmm. Never ordained, licensed, not that much experience as a minister, but I have all the training, lots <laughs> of training and experience, life experience. So whatever's come out of this line is preparing for some big things. I got friends now. One lady, she said, you need to start doing a blog and a podcast. I'm like, whoa. One thing at a time here. Because <laughs> I'm just getting to where I can do anything. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a. How do you. Did you get anything out of that? Oh, yeah. Did we get anything out oh, of yeah, that? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. How I just do got you... going and. St- no, that's okay. Stop. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? How do you think this is impacting, is going to impact the rest of your life? It, it has changed my life, it's made my life better. It's been a hard road, it's not over. There's lots more work to do yet. I'm only partially through. I want to get to remission. I'm not I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm getting close. I'm getting close to going into another layer. I just believe it's a life changer, and it changes your life the better. I have more empathy and a bigger heart than I ever thought I would. It's just amazing when you deal with something like this, how, it, how you behave towards other people, how much more you care about yeah. them. And... The isolation doesn't bother me so much because I was kind of isolated because it was hard to talk to my friends about it because they didn't understand it. But I'm one of those kind of people. I'm okay being alone. But the people that don't like being alone, I can see where they're coming from too. Yeah. 
So I want to be the one, one of those that goes out and, and shares and allows other people to share as well. That's why when you guys come out with your Facebook page, I was overjoyed because I was just getting ready to start one of my own called No Time for Lime. <laughs> here oh, you guys are I with, love that. <laughs> here you are with your Let There Be Light. I'm like, wow, I'm yeah. home. So what Jim's talking about, if you're not familiar, is the Let There Be Light group that Lori Dennis and I started on Facebook. And it's the emphasis is we have all lost and suffered. And that's the emphasis of a lot of the Facebook groups. And the, the emphasis of this group is to what can you focus on, right? What solutions can you find? And Accentuate so, the positive. Yeah, because we're all in horrendous situations <laughs> financially. Yeah, financially, yes. emotionally, it can be very devastating. And even as you were talking about, in a sense, being grateful and the things you've learned, I was thinking this whole journey is so confounding and confusing because there is so much suffering and so much immense loss. And yet there are really good aspects that come out of it, right? which is confusing. <laughs> well, you have to be confused first before you can have things cleared up, right? I guess. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's definitely a journey and it's forced yes. us to reevaluate and look at every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. And when, in a sense, because, because of the weaknesses that we have, even physically and financially, it's forced us right. to make a lot of changes professionally and, and personally. And yet those changes have ultimately all been good for us. Like we're yeah. stronger than we were. And we will be stronger moving forward. Of course. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I had to retire early. My wife had already retired. And I was going to wait a little while longer than I than what I did. And that was uh, kind of freaky because you know, our incomes dropped substantially right away. And all of this is out of pocket. And yes. even my doctor's visits, many of them, the insurance wasn't covered very much. She got insurance from her former employee. And I got to call them up like, what what part of the bill are you covering? Because I'm paying about 90% of it myself out of pocket. So <laughs> what benefit is this insurance to me? I really have to know. Yeah. It's a struggle. And uh, there's days you're down. But my mother told me when I was growing up, said, I don't know what there is about you, but there's something in you that won't let you stay down for very long. You just won't let anything keep you down for long. Hmm. It's a nice thing my mother told me. Yeah, that is nice. And it served you well. It has, because whenever I'm, that voice comes to me, whenever I'm really down and out and about to throw in the towel, there comes my mother's voice. You can beat this. Hmm. My grandmother, my grandmother has one of the, my parents, my grandmother, everybody in my family, we're hard-charging, high-spirited people. We just don't, um, we just don't stay back. We don't stay down. We're fighters. And you have to be, to mess with this stuff, obviously. Yeah, you do. Well, and you you were talking about the value of words, and her words are what has brought you strength. And my grandma. I yeah. always remember my grandma because there was a playground incident once when I was growing up, and uh, one of these neighborhood kids, the playground my grandma lived, was going to cause some trouble with one of my cousins. So it got kind of loud there. I wasn't that far from grandma's house. I expected to see my dad or my Uncle John, both big imposing figures, walking up. My short statured grandma came up there and started talking and hollering, and everybody shut up and didn't move. They absolutely did not move. I was like, wow. So <laughs> that's where I get a lot of my spirit from, my grandma. <laughs> she was amazing. She's one of the 
greatest evangelist that ever lived. Really? Oh, yeah. She was totally faithful in her, her faith and her church going and believing in God. And she just set the example. She lived the life. Hmm. Wow. That's awesome. I had a lot of good life examples. My parents were raised me to treat people equally, raised me to not let bullies intimidate me, and a lot of other good things that you just don't learn nowadays. Hmm. Well, maybe you do, but maybe they forget. I don't know. But apparently I was raised well. That's what I keep hearing that, too. You were raised good. You have good genes, and you <laughs> you taught the right things, know the right things to say. Is it funny to be told you were raised well at 64? <laughs> yeah, but it's also, it's also nice to hear as well. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the young kids, much younger than me, they like hanging out with me because I'm not, I'm different. I'm not a, an old, old guy. I'm a young old guy a young old guy so Jim what would you tell people who are starting off in their experience with Lyme or who are tired of fighting or are struggling to implement diet changes (laughs) what overall advice would you have for someone that's a tough one because I could tell them a thousand things but you have to um, for me it's always been important because of the, the various illnesses I've been with over the years you have to listen to your body hmm you really have to listen close to your body, and you have you have to discipline yourself. And there's times where you don't want to, and you just want to cheat. But I stick with my diet stringent more than I ever have, more than I probably ever will. I I see things that I've always loved to eat, and I might every now and then grab a bite. But I'm like, no, I don't even have cheat days. Mm. There's, a few, there's a few things I can get now and then, just like a glass of apple juice or some. She says I can have seltzer water, but simple stuff. Keep it simple. Um, let's see. Stay with your diet. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind. Listen to your heart. And when you got Lyme brain, of course, you know it's hard to understand or hear sometimes what other people are trying to tell you. It's just sometimes you just got to stop and just stop everything and just try and focus, no matter how hard it is. And there are days where my saying is, "Focus, focus." Where's my focus? Hmm. So that's that's the way I felt some days. I'm like, "All right, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I can't do it." But I, you just got to keep fighting. That's all you can do is just keep fighting. We're we're taught to fight. We have to fight. Fight and we have to have to love as well. Hmm. Accept yourself, perceive yourself, believe in yourself, and then you can achieve. I got that before I read Walt Disney said it. Accept, receive, believe, and achieve. That's uh, a mantra of mine. Okay, repeat that again. Reset. uh, Accept, receive. Accept, accept, receive, believe, achieve. Hmm. I like that. it took a while with this to get to the believe part. I was still bogged down in the first two steps. But for the first time in a very long time, I started believing in myself. I, were, I still, like, you know, cautious or overly cautious or afraid, but I really do believe my, more in myself than I have in a very long time. It's a good feeling when you believe in yourself. It is. And when you like yourself. I know. That gets taken away for a lot of people with Lyme. Yeah. Well, it, it was gone for a while. When you're all fogged in and you're so sick and you don't know if you're getting any better and you don't know if, which way to turn or anything and you're you're lost, it's it's, it's tough. All you gotta do is keep reaching and keep looking. Jim, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate your words of wisdom. You are so very welcome. Anytime. Thanks again for being with us on Line Voice today. Join us next time, where we continue to learn how to fight heal, and live. 
disease is contrary to life. Therefore, wherever disease exists, life must also fight to exist. Good job fighting, Lyme fighters. Keep it up. We'll see you next time. Lyme Voice contains general information about medical conditions and treatments. The information is not advice and should not be treated as such. Okay, Lincoln? Okay. The medical information on Lyme Voice is provided as is without any representations, warranties, expressed or implied. Okay? Okay. Lyme Voice makes no representations or warranties in relation to the medical information on this podcast. You must not rely on the information on this podcast as an alternative to medical advice from your doctor or other professional health care provider. If you have any specific questions about your medical matter, you should consult your doctor or other professional health care provider. And for you, you consult your parents, okay? Okay. If you think you may be suffering from any medical condition, you should seek immediate medical attention. You should never delay seeking medical advice, disregard medical advice, or discontinue medical treatment because of information on this podcast. Got it, Lincoln? Got it.